This is an AI Group podcast. Today's AI Group podcast will look at the numerous workplace relations issues that have been arising regarding COVID-19 vaccinations. It's important for employers to understand the rights and obligations of employers and employees in relation to COVID-19 vaccinations. And to discuss the common questions that employers have been asking, I'm joined by Stephen Smith, AI Group's Head of National Workplace Relations Policy, and I'm Tony Melville, Head of Corporate Affairs at AI Group. This podcast is provided with the support of the Commonwealth Government, represented by the Fair Work Ombudsman. So we get right underway. G'day, Steve. Hi, Tony. Hi. Okay, so we'll just go through a, a few of these questions that that we're hearing from business businesses, from employers in AI Group and from elsewhere. So the first one is, if an employee is required by a public health order direction to be vaccinated in order to carry out work in a particular industry, occupation or area, does the employer need to pay the employee if the employee is not vaccinated? This is a critical issue. Well, the first issue to keep in mind here is that an employee needs to be ready, willing and able to work to be entitled to be paid. Now, if the government has issued a public health order or direction requiring vaccination and the employee is not vaccinated, then they're not able to work. So it's not the employer that is stopping the employee working, it's the government's order. So there's no need for the employer to st stand down the employee or uh, use any particular provisions of the Fair Work Act. Uh, the employee will generally not be entitled to be paid because they cannot attend work as a result of the government's public health order. Okay. What, what if the employee has a recognised medical condition and there is this public health order or direction in place? Well, all of the public health orders uh, mandating vaccinations have an exclusion for genuine medical conditions. For example, if an employee uh, is unable to have uh, any of the, the any of the vaccines because they would uh, run the risk of a, an anaphylactic reaction, uh, they could get a certificate from a, a doctor, which is called a medical contraindication certificate, and these certificates are recognised in the public health orders. But the, of course, there's only a very small number of uh, employees who cannot have any of the three recognised uh, vaccines. So they need this proof. They can't just assert it and the employer can demand that. Yes, that's right. Employers would need to ask employees why they haven't been vaccinated and if an employee has evidence that they cannot be vaccinated because of you know, genuine medical reasons and they've got that evidence from their doctor, then that is recognised in the public health orders as a legitimate reason not to be vaccinated. Okay. The second of the top questions that we get, can an employer direct an employee to have a COVID-19 vaccination? Well, this issue comes back to whether or not um, it would be lawful and reasonable in the circumstances for an employer to direct an employee to have a, a COVID uh, vaccination. 
So this is the circumstance where there isn't a public health order in place, but an employer wishes to issue their own direction. And there are a number of companies that have done this. You know, SPC is one, uh, Telstra, Qantas, etc. Uh, so in looking at this issue of what is lawful and reasonable, uh, it's important to look at the circumstances of the business and the circumstances of the employee. Uh, a business that has, um, a, you know, a public-facing uh, range of services, uh, you know, particularly say in the health industry, uh, would find it much easier to meet the test of what is lawful and reasonable than a business that has all of its employees, of course, working at home. And there'll be all sorts of circumstances between one extreme and the other. Very helpfully, the Fair Work Ombudsman has issued some quite detailed guidance on the meaning of lawful and reasonable. And that uh, guidance is on the FWO's website. It essentially puts business in, businesses into four different tiers uh, in looking at this issue of what might be uh, lawful and and, uh, and reasonable, but so you yeah, can, again, you can, you can go this. to this uh, you can go to this advice then and put in your own circumstances. Work out if you're in tier one or tier two, you probably would have a good chance of mandating, and tier three or four not. Is that the way it would work? Um, to some extent, but as the FWA makes clear. Um, it's important to look at the specific circumstances. Like a business in Tier 3, for example, this is a business where there is interaction between employees and, and customers, but it's not, um, you know, for example, Tier 1 where, uh, you know, the employees working in hotel quarantine or border control uh, what this FWO advice um, indicates is that you've got to look at all the circumstances. For example, if a business in Tier 3 was based in an area where there is uh, a high um, you know, likelihood of transmission of the virus because there's a lot of uh, community um, transmission going on, then that would uh, make it more likely that it would be lawful and reasonable to issue a direction. Okay, and what if you're in a business that works with one of these other businesses? Perhaps you're a supplier to a quarantine hotel or a, or a health uh, facility. Well, this has become a very big issue because there's a lot of uh, businesses that are mandating vaccinations or are subject to public health orders, you know, whether that be a construction site, uh, a coal mine, etc. So where uh, another business is wanting to get onto that site, uh, you know, the employer will need to look at well, what it, should it do in the circumstances where it can't send its employees onto a particular site unless they're vaccinated. That may be a ground why the, the business that is sending the employees out to that particular site uh, may meet that test of it being lawful and reasonable because they need their employees vaccinated to be able to service their customer. Which I guess in a, in a, in a sense puts part of their work, their business, into Tier 1. Um, yes, whether it falls into Tier 1, 
two or three will be debatable, but it just highlights that it's important for every employer to get their own advice if they're going to go down this path of issuing their own direction because uh, one size does not fit all, and that, that's made very clear even in the FWO advice. Okay. It might be a good good opportunity here to mention that case, uh, the recent, most recent case before the Fair Work Commission for Bench, which looked at an aged care employer's right to mandate influenza vaccinations, which of course are comparable to, to this uh, vaccination direction by an employer. Maybe can you go through that case for us? Yes. Well, this is just the latest in a series of unfair dismissal cases relating to influenza uh, vaccines. Yeah, this uh, employer, uh, you know, Sapphire Community Aged Care, had mandated vaccinations and, and in fact there's a public health order in place requiring uh, influenza uh, vaccinations by uh, staff in residential aged care facilities. So a particular employee refused to be vaccinated. Uh, ultimately, the employee was terminated. So this was a an unfair dismissal case about whether the employer's action in terminating the employee was uh, unfair or not. Now, it was a three-member full bench. Uh, Vice President Hatcher and Commissioner Reardon were the majority in the decision they made it clear that, in their view, the uh, decision of the employer was uh, completely reasonable. There was a dissenting decision by Deputy President Dean that expressed some quite uh, strong contrary views, but importantly, the, the majority decision stands and that supported this employer's right to take disciplinary action based on the fact that they had uh, you know, a reasonable position in the circumstances. So is there a, a whole backlog of cases that are coming along these lines and any specific COVID cases that are coming before the Fair Work Commission? Well, interestingly, this particular case, even though it was about an influenza uh, vaccination, a lot of the commentary in the decision was in the context of the pandemic and uh, a lot of the uh, statements that are made by the various members of the full bench were about uh, COVID. So, you know, it's early days with mandating, but, you know, this decision in particular is the first full bench decision will be a, a key decision in the Commission when we do see cases specifically about um, dismissals for failure to comply with uh, COVID vaccination requirements. Undoubtedly, those cases will come. So it's it, it's not necessarily a test case, but it does give an indication of the way the thinking is going of the Commission, and it, it may give pause perhaps to, to some of these cases not even reaching the Fair Work Commission when they look at this kind of direction. Y yes. Well, this is, uh, I think, the fifth case now, the, or the fifth decision uh, in... Uh, unfair dismissal cases about um, influenza vaccination requirements. And a, a number of the decisions have made comments about the pandemic and um, you know, what might be fair and reasonable in the context of COVID vaccinations. So they're not 
directly on point. You know, every case will turn on its own circumstances, but these uh, decisions will be relevant in any future cases about uh, COVID vaccination requirements. Infinite variables. Okay, getting back to the various questions that we're getting, uh, here's another one. Does an employer need to consult with employees before implementing a policy mandating COVID-19 vaccinations for employees? Well, the first thing here is, of course, consultation is very sensible and it should occur. Um, if, if an employer is going to mandate COVID vaccinations for its employees, it's just uh, common sense that the employer would consult with employees before doing that. But quite apart from that, there are consultation obligations in awards and enterprise agreements requiring consultation about major workplace changes. And there are also consultation obligations in work health and safety laws. And most employers would introduce a mandatory vaccination requirement on the basis of work health and safety considerations. And the work health and safety laws do require consultation before measures are implemented to control uh, hazards in the workplace. Are we getting any indications from, say, union-dominated workplace as to how the unions view the idea of an employer mandating? Uh, well, one thing that is clear is that em employers that go through a consultative approach before they mandate have been getting a much better reaction from unions and uh, often employees than employers that just come out and announce a final decision. They, the union movement's position generally is that they support public health orders for vaccination requirements, but they, they're not keen on employers that mandate in other circumstances. But uh, yeah, generally, there's fairly strong employee support for mandating uh, in appropriate circumstances. So uh, unions, no doubt, are, are mindful of the views of their own members. Okay. And th this is another big question. There's a lot of recruitment going on at the moment as businesses, particularly in the New South Wales and Victoria, look at getting going again after the state's open. And that is, can an employer decline to offer employment to a person who's not vaccinated or include a vaccination requirement in each new employee's contract of employment, making a difference for people who are already employed and those who are about to be employed? This issue is becoming a bigger issue virtually by the day where more and more employers are considering making it a condition of employment for new employees to uh, be vaccinated. Um, there's an important issue that employers need to think about here, and that is anti-discrimination laws. Uh, and the, the main one here would go to discrimination on the grounds of a disability. So if a, a job applicant had a genuine medical reason why they can't be vaccinated, they had one of those uh, contraindication certificates, then the employer would need to be very, very careful and um, you know, de denying employment to that person could be grounds for 
uh, a claim under anti-discrimination law. But generally, apart from those very limited circumstances, an employer would have the right to uh, make it a condition of employment. Because people might not understand that they might think of discrimination as being very broad, but it is actually quite narrow because it has these these narrowly defined grounds. That's right, isn't it? Yes, there are certain protected grounds uh, within anti-discrimination law, state and federal. Yeah, things like disability, age, race, um, gender, etc. And the two that are most relevant potentially in a COVID vaccination scenario are firstly the issue of disability, and that's where a genuine medical condition would come in. The other one that's potentially relevant is religion. But yeah, there are very few religions that uh, prohibit vaccination by their followers, and virtually all of the main religions uh, do not do that. You know, some of them have changed their views over the years, but these days virtually every religion that you could think of does not prohibit uh, vaccination as part of their doctorate. Okay. So what can an employer do if an, if an employee fails to comply with a public health order to be vaccinated? Well, the first thing that an employer can do is not pay the employee because they're not ready, willing and able to work. Um, you know, of course, the employee might uh, agree to take annual leave to give them time to be vaccinated if there's some reason why they haven't been able to book an appointment yet. But uh, an employer is not required to hold an employee's job open indefinitely if an employee is unable to attend the workplace because of a public health order requiring vaccination. Uh, it, it is important that employers carefully consider what they should do in this circumstance, you know, before, for example, terminating an employee in those circumstances, they'll need to think through, you know, would termination of employment be harsh, unjust or unreasonable? And if so, that could be a breach of the unfair dismissal laws. And again, would termination of employment discriminate against the employee on the basis of a disability that they may have, for example, a medical condition or their religion. So employers would need to tread carefully in this area. Okay. okay. What, what can an employer do if an employee fails to comply with an employer direction to be vaccinated? Well, the, oh, hang is, on, that's the same question, isn't it? <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's, uh, it's a similar answer, but it's um, a different question because right. one is if the employee fails to comply with a public health order, the other is if an employee fails to comply with the employer's direction. But the answer is quite similar. The employer is going to need to tread carefully, think about whether termination of employment would be harsh, unjust or unreasonable in the circumstances and uh, would it discriminate against the employee on the basis of uh, disability or religion. Okay. Uh, can an employer ask an employee for proof of vaccination status? Well, this is another area where employers need to be mindful of the law. Um, the relevant law here is the Privacy Act, 
that an employer is able to ask an employee for proof of their vaccination status if the collection of the information is reasonably necessary for business functions or activities. So if there is a public health order in place requiring vaccination or if the employer has issued a lawful and reasonable direction to vaccinate or in other circumstances where the employer might genuinely need to know the vaccination status of its employees, it can ask the employee to provide that information. If the employee gives consent, the information can be collected. Uh, if the employee doesn't consent, then the employer can collect this information in limited circumstances, uh, particularly where they are authorised by the law to collect it, say through the terms of a public health order. Okay, well, those are the key questions, but there's a, just a few other issues we'll cover here before wrapping up. Now, have you been looking at some issues around vaccine hesitancy across different industries? I mean, we saw all the protests in Melbourne in the construction industry, but that's not much of a problem in Sydney. But is there a difference per by industry? Well, Macquarie Bank recently did some research on vaccine hesitancy across different industries. And the results of that uh, research showed that there are big differences in vaccine hesitancy in Australia across different industries. The two industries which came up by far at the top of the list of those where workers are most hesitant are construction and transport for some reason. Um, yeah, professional services was right down the, the other end with the least uh, hesitant workers. Yeah, perhaps uh, it's anyone's guess, but it's perhaps it's because some of those industries have been targeted for, um, for attention uh, by, by governments and they might be rebelling, as we saw in Victoria. Uh, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Okay. And there's also this idea of, I guess, those industries you're talking about, they'd be ones that really should be promoting vaccinations. And we're getting to the point now where we're getting up to 70, 80% levels in the next, in a matter of weeks. Uh, but there's still a, a need for some industries to promote. Um, are there any rules around promoting vaccines that employers should be aware of vaccination? Uh, there are some rules about what employers can say and can't say in promoting vaccinations. You know, for example, an employer cannot promote a particular uh, vaccine. Um, you know, there, there are some guidelines that the Therapeutic Goods Administration has set out about promoting vaccinations to employees. And it also deals with the issue of rewards. An employer could offer rewards to employees to be vaccinated or even to their customers. But again, there are some important requirements there. Uh, one of them being that you can only offer a reward if a person's had both doses of the vaccine, not just for one dose. And you can't offer a reward to employees just prospectively and leave out the ones that have already been vaccinated before that reward is offered. You've got to treat the, the whole group uh, equivalently. And there's an alcohol. You can't give alcohol or has that changed? 
Um, you you can't give tobacco. You, you yeah. can, in very limited circumstances, give alcohol, but there are significant restrictions, and it's uh, not recommended. <laughs> Okay, good, good. Okay, we won't go any more into that. And look, just finally wrapping up, the government's claim scheme. Can you give some details on that related to uh, to uh, almost man um, protection of employers in the case of adverse reactions in workplaces to vaccinations? Yes, the government has announced a uh, claim scheme, which is very welcome and something that AI Group was pushing for. Now, it's not an indemnity as such, but it should significantly reduce the incentive for any employee to make a claim against their employer for uh, a reaction to the COVID uh, vaccinations. Um, what this scheme deals with is moderate to serious reactions to uh, COVID vaccinations. So if someone uh, has a you know very serious uh, reaction, has a long period of time off work, or suffers some disability, then the scheme is available. The employee can make a claim against that scheme, and really would have no incentive to make a claim against the employer. That's all for now. We'll wrap up here. Thanks to Stephen Smith, our group's head of national workplace relations policy. If you need any further information, you can email info at aigroup.com.au. Thanks a lot, Stephen. We'll see you next time.